Welcome to the Vancouver Current Worldwide Podcast. We're in season two and it's great to be back. Today, we're going to discuss coffee. My name is Ray Talili and I'm coming to you from Vancouver, British Columbia. On the other side of the Rockies in Calgary, co-host Spencer Alexander. Welcome back. Welcome all. It's great to be back, Ray, man. And to all our awesome listeners around the globe, welcome back. Yes, indeed. Coffee, the gigantic cash crop and global commodity. As important as oil, I suppose. There are different versions and variations of the origin of coffee stories floating around. Any good ones? The uh, most prominent and oft-cited one, a legend really, is that of an Ethiopian goat herder called Kaldi who noticed his goats getting all energized and awake at night after chewing some coffee berries. The fact that the goat herder has a name really adds credence to the story, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it does. Uh, So you say coffee berries? I did. They're not beans. Uh, It's a misnomer. The coffee plant produces the coffee fruit, called a coffee cherry or coffee berry. It's kind of sweet, apparently, and red when ripe. It's not popular like other berries because it's made up of mostly the pit and the skin. You make coffee from the whitish colored pit of the small berry or cherry. Yeah, right. So the coffee bean is actually a pit of the coffee cherry fruit. Good, good. So after uh, seeing the goats all coffeeed up, Caldi the goat herder then goes off to a nearby monastery. Yeah, makes sense. That's where I go. Well, I mean, the monastery uh, was where all the action was, right? So that's where you'd go to report an alien landing or or an incident regarding your normally docile goats getting all hyperactive. Yeah, that makes sense, of course. So anyway, the monk took the fruit pits and threw them in the fire from which a nice aroma arose. The monk uh, then retrieved the roasted or burnt beans grinded them and mixed them in presumably hot water and thus was born coffee as we know it sounds like a tall story to me like a venti or a grande (laughs) you're working it all right yeah some pretty important developments have come out from that part of the world homo sapiens coffee yeah yeah that's pretty important um i wonder eh? long distance runners and coffee i wonder if that's connected somehow (laughs) Maybe a little bit on the endurance, I'm thinking. Yeah. So you would have originally found the plant in the coffee forests of Ethiopia. From Ethiopia in the 14-1500s, it made its way across the way there to nearby Yemen and Arabia, Persia, India, the Ottomans and so on. It was a big hit in the Islamic world. It became a, a hit in Europe around the 1600s and onto the new world in the late 1700s. Ray, you should tell uh, the Boston Tea Party story. Right. In 1773, after the Boston Tea Party incident, American patriots decided to boycott tea drinking and switch to coffee instead. They should have had that like Mel Gibson movie there. If, uh, like, you oh, know, yeah. And um, him drinking, like going, I'm not drinking tea anymore. But anyways, just, they, okay. they stopped to stick it to the uh, tea drinking Brits. 
Yeah, it had a huge effect. Coffee really took off in the U.S. then. Tea never really recovered, did it? Not really. When it comes to tea, uh, the, the Turks uh, drink the most tea per capita in the world, followed by Ireland, the U.K., Iran, Russia, Morocco. Poles apparently drink a lot of tea, too. Wow. How many uh, cups of coffee do you drink per day, Spence? You know, depending on the day, uh, one to three cups a day, man. Yeah. Okay, so Finns actually drink the most coffee in the world and consume the most caffeine, by the way, followed by Norwegians, Icelanders, Danes, etc. We're number 10 on the list. There are no hot countries on that top 10 list, by the way. And Canada aside, they're all European countries, mostly Nordic. The U.S. is uh, 25th on the list. Mm, makes sense. Warm drink, colder countries. Yeah, yeah. Well, unlike tea, uh, all the biggest coffee drinking nations are solid democracies. It's like all the advanced egalitarian countries drink the most coffee. I wonder what that's all about. Yeah. Uh, you know what? You're one of the few people I know that doesn't drink coffee. Are you suggesting I'm not advanced? <laughs> well, <laughs> if the shoe fits. Um, when did you quit coffee, Ray? About seven years ago or so. Mm, why'd you quit? <laughs> You're not going to let this go, huh? Um, you want people to hate me. Is that no, it? No, no, you're absolutely right. I, no, I don't want them to hate <laughs> you, but I'm not going to let it go. Do you remember that little thing, the sex spot, Ray? You remember ah. that? <laughs> okay, fair enough. Anyway. I should probably preface my next bit here because uh, people get really sensitive about any perceived critique of coffee. I'm not trying to change anyone's beloved rituals. Live and let live and enjoy your coffee, okay? I'm not suggesting anyone give up their coffee. <laughs> okay, so why did you quit? I quit because I was addicted to the drug caffeine. I loved coffee, by the way. Actually, I think it was the cream and sugar in it that I actually really loved. Anyway. That morning fix was great, but when I was not getting my daily coffee fix, I was really grumpy, just not myself. Moody, impatient, like someone in withdrawal, basically. Yeah. There's a lot of people like that. At what point did you decide to quit? It was a water cooler moment at work, and this colleague uh, told me that he and his wife had quit at the same time, and as a result, they had, I think he said, 80 to 90% less fights. Isn't that interesting? So yeah. an idea was planted and began to percolate. Oh, you were saving that one up, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was actually. <laughs> Look, uh, I believe it affects everyone differently. Sometime after I quit, I did one of those DNA tests and I found out that I'm actually caffeine intolerant. It's a genetic predisposition that apparently many of, you, many of us have, uh, just like lactose intolerance, for example. Oh, okay, makes sense. Look, ultimately for me, it had become an addiction I couldn't do without. And that bothered me, so I quit. Like, I wasn't normal without it, man, you know what I mean? Like, you're probably someone who is, like, fine without it, right, Spence? Um, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, for sure, it affects people differently like alcohol or dairy for that matter. Um, how was the quitting experience for you, man? How was that? Actually, it was hard. 
well, for me anyways. I mean, I had had caffeine in my bloodstream practically every single day of my entire adult life. So making that change definitely impacted me like physiologically. Mm. So sleep, digestion, focus, even my taste in foods changed. I think coffee suppressed some of my taste buds. So things like peanut butter and milk tasted really, really good again. Things mm. that I had enjoyed as a kid were back in vogue. Wow. So a positive impact on your taste buds. Did you quit gradually or cold turkey? I'm just asking because I think a lot of health conscious people, you know, they'd want to hear. Well, I went from two cups to one cup first, which was a real challenge in itself. Um, I then did the uh, one cup a day for about two years. But uh, then after that adjustment, uh, uh, after doing the, uh, the one cup for like two years, I went cold turkey. So for listeners that are truly addicted to coffee and have been thinking about quitting and you know who you are, if, you're, if you ever decide to quit or do a caffeine cleanse, which by the way includes green tea, warn your loved ones and do it on a long vacation. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Um, hey, um, that's cool about the DNA test. Now I might get one done in the future. Uh, you know, there's a debate going on amongst scientists and addiction experts um, as to whether people are addicted or dependent on, ca on caffeine. What's the difference? Um, a drug addiction causes a large surge in dopamine levels that unbalances the reward circuits in the brain. You still get a dopamine jolt from the stimulant caffeine, but headaches and irritability aside, some argue that it's not a drug addiction, but a dependency because it does not cause the imbalance in the brain. Interesting. However, recent research shows that regular caffeine consumption can change the brain's physical chemistry and physical characteristics over time. Again, interesting. Uh, newsflash, this just in, caffeine is a drug. <laughs> like officially. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. I know, I know. Caffeine stimulates the central nervous system to increase alertness. It inhibits the chemical adenosine in your body. It's not a mild stimulant, it's a powerful drug, and the world loves it. It's the world's number one psychoactive substance. You look this up, Spence, what happens when you ingest caffeine? Yep, it enters your bloodstream, and you will feel the effects in as little as 10 minutes, twice as fast if you're a smoker, by the way. Really? Why is that? I mean, about the smoker. Um, it has to do with the enzymes and digestions. Smokers also need twice the amount of caffeine to get the same hit as a non-smoker. Women on birth control pills, however, need half the amount of coffee to get the same hit. Okay. Caffeine does not only block the adenosine receptors in your brain, as mentioned. Adenosine, among other functions, is what suppresses arousal and promotes sleep. Normally, adenosine levels rise every hour that you're awake. Isn't that amazing, eh? the, the human body? It is, isn't it? We have a perfect built-in timer. So yeah, adenosine levels rise every hour that you wake up. So the suppression in the neurotransmitters that lead to a jolt in energy from the brain activity that triggers adrenaline. That's what the coffee buzz is, adrenaline. 
So exactly how long does caffeine stay in your system? It takes between five and six hours on average for your system to reduce caffeine by 50%. It takes another five to six hours to eliminate the rest. So about 12 hours in total, depending on your metabolism and a few other factors. Peak caffeine in your system occurs between 15 and 45 minutes in. Okay. So what about dopamine? I mean, I know that, there, that it's a close relative of adrenaline. Is dopamine involved here? Good one, Ray. Yeah. Dopamine is involved. Those elevated levels of dopamine are the reason caffeine is so addictive. Okay. So, uh, I mean, that's interesting. But, I mean, it's one of the few drugs that society has deemed socially acceptable. I mean, no stigma to it at all. I guess that's because it doesn't really adversely affect your health or life the way uh, other drugs do. You can't compare, I suppose. True. The damage isn't there. Uh, that's why the debate goes on about whether it's an addiction or a dependency. Caffeinated coffee gets away with it. But, you know, energy drinks get scrutinized a whole lot more than coffee right now. And with reason. I mean, you're far better off with coffee than energy drinks. I know people who left coffee and went to energy drinks and can't go back to coffee now because the hit from the energy drink is just so much more intense. You know those people that come to work with those massive cans of energy drink? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I had a girlfriend who used to bash coffee while her fridge was full of energy drinks, chopped full of chemicals and sugar. We would do the <laughs> occasional cleanse, you know, where I would quit coffee for a few weeks. She physically could not go 48 hours without her energy drink. Yeah, energy drinks. They're a different animal altogether. You know what I mean? I mean, you mm -hmm. know, uh, coffee is more social. Coffee has hundreds of years on energy drinks. True. Now arguments have been made that caffeine has helped human advancement. Did you have a chance to check out that TED Talks I sent you about the theory that caffeine triggered the enlightenment? in the 1600s. I did check it out. Uh, what did you think, Spence? I think there's something there, but you, ha you have the background in history. What do you think? I think there's a little something there, but that's about it. How come? Well, for sure, many ideas have come out of caffeine or the social environment that has grown around coffee, namely the coffee shop culture, where many a brilliant ideas have uh, seen the day. Uh, for one, plenty of relatively enlightened societies existed before caffeine. Secondly, many parts of the world are, are living in their own dark ages right now, and they drink plenty of coffee. Look, all kinds of drugs have played their part in human development, ideas, revolutions. I would argue alcohol has and continues to play a much uh, larger role in that regard, by the way. Huh. So, no. No way. The Enlightenment was triggered by many factors. The Enlightenment followed the Renaissance, theology, philosophy, and science, among other factors that the giants that triggered the, uh, and arts, the giants that triggered the Enlightenment. Everything played a role, even shipbuilding techniques, the printing press. Caffeine played a role, maybe, but these uh, reductionist theories are sometimes silly, you know. Uh, some of these dead talks, uh, some, some are good, but some of them, man, if, I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. Can you imagine all the uh, economic activity created by coffee-related jobs today? I mean, it's like the auto industry. 
Yeah. Did you know there's 349,000 Starbucks employees? Mm -hmm. That's just well, Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, add in Tim Hortons and others, and you've got yourself a small country. There are 24,000 yeah. coffee shops in the U.S. alone, and that number is projected to double in the next few years. In North America, European cafe culture is really taking off where it was quite minimal before. I mean, you had coffee shops, but they were more like, you know, outside of the major urban like centers, they were more like diners that you wouldn't really hang in or do your work in. Yeah, good point. Um, hopefully, um, much like Europe, the food will follow. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know how they eat those hamburgers. <laughs> hey, uh, crepes or pancakes, uh, Spence? I'm a pancake man, Fred. Ah. Croissant or bagels? Croissant, please. And I'll take a coffee with that. You? Oh, no contest. French food. Crepes and croissants any day. Okay, so exactly how much caffeine is too much? I was about to ask. I will tell you. You don't want to go past 400 milligrams of caffeine, according to the Mayo Clinic. Okay, translation? Okay, so the smallest Tim Hortons contains about 80 milligrams, the medium 100, and the large is 140 milligrams. Cool. That Pike Place coffee at Starbucks, uh, the Venti, which is the, the large one, contains 410 milligrams. Ouch. Yeah, the smallest contains 150 milligrams, 155. The venti dark or blonde roast contains 465 milligrams. Wow. Um, what about an espresso? About uh, 70 milligrams. But you can't really rely just on those numbers to figure out caffeine intake, you know? Right. Yeah, metabolism plays a role, as does, right. I guess, your weight, height, yeah. age, genes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. You know, and also no two cups are the same, right? It totally depends on the actual bean and the coffee bag. Hey, Spence, uh, it, it's a uh, fun fact time. You uh, want to go first? Sure thing. Okay, what do you what do you find out? What do you got? Nearly half of American coffee drinkers tried a new type of coffee during the pandemic. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Buck, Johann Sebastian Buck wrote a piece on coffee called Coffee Cantata about a girl who is addicted to coffee. It's actually a really good piece. You should check it out, actually. Mm, nice. Dylan has a good one, too. That's right. Uh, one more, one more cup coffee, of coffee, coffee for the road. The road. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, man, that was like huh. Dylan doing Dylan worse than Dylan. Yeah, that's a little hard to do, but you're right. <laughs> Can you guess who the biggest producers of coffee in the world are? I'm guessing Colombia and Brazil. <laughs> I don't think Colombians sound like Tony Montana. <laughs> Actually, Brazil is first, Vietnam is second, and Colombia ranks third. Vietnam is second. Interesting. Who'd have thought, huh? Cream mm. Puff, the oldest cat that ever lived. An astonishing 38 years had coffee every morning. Wow. According to Statista, people 70 years old or more drink the most coffee, followed by the 25 to 29 age group. Caffeine is actually used in a whole variety of medications. Okay. 72% uh, of adult Canadians drink coffee, 
versus 64% of adult Americans who drink coffee every day. Ooh, Spence, we are out of time. Hey, man. Great. Thanks. And thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thanks, Spence. And have a great day wherever you are, whatever you're doing. We'll see you all next week.